You're listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Our Father who never breaks his word. And so I'll say this, if you, if you avoid talking about God as your Father in heaven, don't fall into that trap. Trust the Lord that what he's saying is true, that he will redeem this idea of fatherhood in your life. That Jesus is going to show us today that God is our heavenly father who never, ever goes back on his word. God always keeps his word. Before we dig into some really textual stuff, it's important to note that Jesus is not teaching his followers prayer technique. Okay, so football teams in the States at halftime, our father, heavenly father, hallowed be your name, king of come. He's not saying memorize this prayer and that's how you get through the Christian life. He's not saying this is not a prayer technique for the way that you need to pray specifically. There's no magic words. It's not a formula. Prayer is not about praying the right way so that you can get stuff from God. It's not about that. Actually, instead of giving them something to memorize, Jesus is showing them a way to pray. Do you want to spend time with your heavenly father? Here is a way of doing that. Here's a form of doing that. Here's the, here's the style that you should go, but here's the posture you should take. Here's a way. It's a dynamic. It's not static. It's not a static relationship. It's a dynamic day in, day out relationship. It's a kind of prayer life that you actually have to cultivate. <laughs> it's something you actually have to work on and grow in. And so Jesus teaches on prayer by doing those three things. He points to the relationship with God as our good father, and then in the second part of our text, he unfolds a story about the heart of God. And the last thing he's going to say is what God will always give to those who ask. So this is actually the way that verses 1 through 13 are laid out. Okay, So in the first, in the first section, um, this, whole, this whole passage, 1 through 13, is what's called in Bible study, is called a pericope. Pericope. I know it doesn't really work on a microphone. But essentially, it's, it's many pieces of a puzzle that put together complete one whole picture, one coherent message. Jesus is helping his disciples find the why behind his habitual stealing away early in the morning, late at night. Why would you do that to go pray? Why? It's so important. Jesus is helping them find the why. What does he know that we don't? God's our Father who always keeps his word. So we have those three sections. Jesus is pointing to verses 1 through 4, a right relationship with God. The second section, Jesus is going to unfold a, a parable story or like a word picture. Jesus always used stories when he's teaching. And it's a beautiful picture about the heart of God. In the third section, he, he answers, this is what God will give you if you ask. I promise he'll give it to you. Um, so to honor our time today, I'm going to focus on the middle section, okay? So if you think about this as a sandwich, verses 1 through 4 is the first bread, the middle section is the meat, verses 5 through 8, and then the last part is the other piece of bread. We're going to focus in on the middle section of that, starting in verse 5. I want to read that for us one more time. So let's go to verse 5 on the screen if we can, and in your Bible. <clears throat> Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight 
And his, and his friend goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door's already shut. Listen, and I am with my children in bed. So he's a father, in, and he's in bed with his kids. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though that he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet, because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, I said I wanted to make a note about that word persistence. Um, the word translated as persistence in verse 8 is actually a Greek word. So I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is written in three ancient languages. So ancient Hebrew, ancient Greek, and ancient Aramaic. And so this is actually a Greek word in the original text, and the Greek word is anidia. Anidia. Sounds like a nideon, right? It says anidia. And the literal translation of that word is not persistence. The literal translation of that word is shamelessness. Shamelessness. The Greek word pronounced anidia, the literal translation is his shamelessness. Or the prospect of him being shamed. So why then in so many Bibles is it translated as persistence? Well, this has to do with your Bible. It's exactly that. It's a translation from trusted scholars that sometimes make calls. And in this case, they made a call and they thought that the subject was the person knocking. That's actually not what the word means. The word means Shamelessness. And if you have an updated Bible, like I have an updated Bible, it will actually say the word shamelessness, not persistence. So why is this important? Well, I'll tell you, if you've read this passage before, maybe you've heard it preached, or maybe you've even heard the song, Knocking on Heaven's Door. Okay? Have you heard that song? Knocking on Heaven's Door. Knock, knock, knocking on Heaven's Door. The way that this parable, this story is often interpreted is that the story is about the person who's knocking. It's about the friend at midnight who keeps knocking on the door, and because he persists, God gets annoyed, and he comes out and gives him what he wants. And so what's often taught in this passage is that in your prayer life, if you want to get something from God, what you need to do is keep knocking. Keep knocking. But I don't think this is the case. Uh, this parable story is not about persistence. And actually, Daryl and many, many others uh, would say that this is not the way the word should be translated. And in the latest translations, they will say shamelessness. And the reason for this is, is because this story is not actually about the one asking. It's about the one being asked. It's about the man, the father inside the story. <clears throat> How do we know that? Well, when you, when you read a passage within a pericope, the middle section is interpreted by the section that came before and after it. Did you notice the bookends of our passage about our heavenly father? All right? Pray to your father who's in heaven. Your heavenly father will give you all anything that you ask. Verse 8 ought to be read this way. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his shamelessness, stick with me, because of his shamelessness, he will get up and he will give him everything that he needs. 
The parable of the friend at midnight is not about the one asking. It's about the one being asked. The subject is the father in the house, and it's his shamelessness. It's not our persistence. Jesus is showing us that God is our heavenly father, and he has an idea. God has shamelessness. That's kind of an awkward word, and you can see why they didn't use it. Jesus is saying, <laughs> Jesus is saying that God is our heavenly father. He's not just the almighty God. He is that, but he's also our father. And he always, always, always keeps his word. The story in verse 5 and 7 is actually one long rhetorical statement. Okay, it's just one sentence. It's a run-on sentence. And what is it saying? It's a, re- it's a rhetorical question that assumes the word no. Okay? So, some, <laughs> in other words, Jesus is saying, can any of you ever imagine a friend that would come to his other friend at midnight and ask him for help and his friend would turn him down? Can you imagine a friend like that? The answer is a universal no. And you're thinking, I can. Dude, you need, you need new friends. <laughs> okay, honestly. The, the, it's supposed to be no, of course not. That's ridiculous. Like, who would, who would abandon their friend? Let me give you an example. It's 10 p.m. Your brother's on a date with his wife. They get a flat tire on the highways, three minutes from your house. You just got in your jammies. Okay? He calls you up. Can you get me some help? Yes. What do you do? You read him the number to a tow truck, right? No. You get up out of bed and you go help him, right? That's what Jesus is saying. Obviously, you would do this, right? Jesus is saying, good friends don't leave you stranded. It would be shameful, right? It would be, are you tracking? It would be shameful to abandon somebody in their time of need. The good father doesn't do that. It would have been wrong for the father to abandon his friend in his time of need. And that would be shameful. But it also flies in the face of Proverbs. And, and the people that read, heard this story would know the Proverbs well. We don't know it as well, but here's what it says. Proverbs 3, verse 27, 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor... Go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. So it's almost like Jesus is actually referencing this proverb as he's telling a story. When we read this parable story, this word picture, in light of Scripture's context, we start to see what's happening. Something new is revealed to us about the Father, and, the, and what is new is he has an idea. He has shamelessness. God has shamelessness. Jesus is showing us that God has shamelessness, and and he's doing this by showing us because of his shamelessness, because of his anidia, he will get up and give him everything he needs. Maybe you're like, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. What is shamelessness? I've never heard that word in my life. Well, let me talk about this idea. Shamelessness is a bit awkward. We don't use that word. Um, It's a hard truth to grasp, but if you can catch this, I, I genuinely, truly, this has transformed my life. I genuinely believe that this can transform your prayer life and how you understand your Father in heaven. So, so try, if you can. Lean in. 
It's a bit of an awkward word, shamelessness. In Western culture, shame is just something our families do to it. No, I'm just joking. Shame is a negative quality in general, right? Shame is uh, something that we would say, oh, that's, that's poor reputation, dishonor. That's shameful. Oh, it's shameful, right? We just think that's, that's how we think of the word shame. When we're caught doing something that we think is wrong, we feel shame. When the dog eats the food off the table and they bow their head, it looks like shame, right? So we, we associate it as a negative quality. So try and follow me. If shame is culturally negative, then shamelessness is the opposite, okay? If shame is culturally negative, then shamelessness is the opposite. It means, in that case, self-respect, an honor. So we have a, I'll show you what this looks like here. <clears throat> the Greek word anidia, shamelessness, self-respect, a desire to have integrity, to maintain a good reputation, to be honorable. In other words, verse 8 could, could be under, understood to mean this. Uh, I tell you, even though he's not going to get up and give him anything because he's his friend, but because of his desire to honor his good name, he will get up. He will get up and give his friend as much as he needs. That's different. Can you see what Jesus is saying about the, the character of the father in the house? What is Jesus saying about the heart of God? That God has shamelessness. <laughs> That's beautiful. God has an idea. God has, has this idea of shamelessness to protect the honor of his name. He has a desire to demonstrate his integrity. He looks for opportunity to demonstrate his integrity, to demonstrate his goodness, to demonstrate his power. God never fails his friend. God always, always keeps his word. And now you're thinking, man, my dad telling me that I got to be a man of my word, I got to be a woman of my word, starting to make sense. Where, do, where does this value come from? It comes from the heart of God. God doesn't break his word. He's good for his name. He's good for it. And we're starting to uncover the beauty of the story that Jesus is telling. The parable is not about us who pray. Never was. It's about the Father in the house to whom we pray. Jesus, Jesus is showing us that God is our Heavenly Father and He always keeps His word. The Father will always act in a way that honors His name. He'll always act in a way that honors His name. The Father would never shame His name. Lord, we came to you in the night and we knocked and we knocked, but you wouldn't come out. That would be shame. God would say, that's not me. That's not who I am. He will get up. Okay, so Jesus is saying, pray to your father in heaven. And let me tell you, he's an amazing father. He never lets you down. He'll get up. The truth is this. God loves you. He loves his friend. But even if you weren't his friend, even if you weren't lovable, Maybe sometimes you aren't, right? Even if you weren't lovable, even if you didn't deserve his friendship, even if you turned your back on God over and over again, God would still get up. 
God would still get up. God would never turn his back on you because that's not who he is. God is like the father in the house, a person of integrity who honors his name, a God who won't shame his name, a God who has an idea. 1 Samuel 12, 22, for the Lord will not abandon his people on account of their good works. No, on account of how lovable they were. No, on account of how much they impressed God. No, on account of how much they prayed. No, on account of his great name. When Moses is pleading on the Israelites' behalf to God, Lord, help the Israelite people. This is what it says in Exodus 32. Why should the Egyptians speak saying, with evil intent, God brought them out of Egypt just to kill them. That's not who God is. And so to keep his word, in other words, because of his shamelessness, God saved them. God always wants to honor his name. Jesus is teaching us something different here. He's showing us that God's motivation for loving you, for loving someone, is not determined by that person and their lovability. It's self-determined because he wants to, that he loves you. And now you're starting to see, man, that is like a dad, isn't it? Even if I'm screaming at my dad, even if I'm saying, I hate you, dad, he still loves me. Because not loving us would be going back on what he said he wanted. And he never goes back on what he said. God never breaks his word. And all of this helps us understand the very next verse, in verse 9. Ask, seek, and knock. You can go there with your with me in your Bible. Ask, seek, and knock. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open to you. And the one who knocks, it will be open to you. <clears throat> I want to reiterate, Jesus is not telling us to <laughs> persist in prayer. I do think that we should pray more. That's probably true, right? I should, but that's not what this story is about. Jesus is saying, you don't want to pray because you don't know who you're praying to. You don't need to annoy God (laughs) into helping you, man. Don't you see he's a father who will get up? He will get up because he always gives more of himself to who asks. Jesus is showing us that God always keeps his word. I think when you emphasize, when when you do this, I do this, when we emphasize our persistence, right, it can lead us to think that we can dictate terms to God. Lord, I, I raised my kids this way. I was faithful to you, and now they're on this track. You owe me. You're supposed to care for them. Where were you? We start to think to God that he owes us, that we dictate to him because we persisted. But that's not the gospel. The gospel says to us that we simply come to our Father and we ask. What does he tell us to ask for? God always gives more of himself to those who ask. And so keep asking for more of himself. Jesus is saying, you want to know what kind of father you're praying to? In the middle of the night, in the middle of the night when you need bread, God hears your prayers. He'll give you what's needed. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. He will give you everything we need. How do we know that God will hear our prayers, though? (laughs) Well, I'm not actually, I don't feel like I'm a friend of God. (laughs) Coming to God in the night. I don't actually think I'm his friend. So how do I know that the Lord will actually hear my prayer? 
when we don't even feel good enough to pray to God, I've, half the time in my life, I feel like my prayers bounce off the ceiling and come right back to me, right? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever noticed Christians and how they pray? We, when we close our prayer as a Christian, we say, in Jesus' name, amen. When I close my prayer, I say, in Jesus' name, amen. And why do we do that? It's more than just simply to bookend our prayer. Uh, it's true, sometimes I repeat it without even thinking about it, without even saying, understanding why I'm saying it um, as a rhythm. But when we pray in Jesus' name and we ask God, what we're saying is we're asking God, our Father, right? Like Dave said earlier, we are, we are brothers and sisters because of Jesus. We're asking God, our Father, to hear our prayer, not in our metaphorical name, not on our own standing, not because of what I've done, not because I've impressed him, but because of what Jesus has done. There's power in Jesus' name. And so when I pray in Jesus' name, my Father hears me. My Father hears me not because of my good words or the way I speak or my prayer technique, Jesus is a starting point for the Christian practice of prayer. In Hebrews 4, 14, this is what it says. Since then, we have a great high priest, Jesus. He passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession of faith. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. Let's go to the house in the middle of the night that we may receive mercy and find help in our time of need. The truth is we often don't live well. We often do evil things. We often mess things up, especially dads, and I can speak for myself. I often get it wrong. And I, sometimes I feel like I don't deserve to come before God or I just want to maybe give it a few days before I come back to him. And so when I do come three days later, I come sheepishly before God, <laughs> not brave, not full of confidence, not caring, I think so, so much of how, how I see myself, but this is still me praying in my own name, on my own righteousness. It doesn't work. You can come to God boldly because of Jesus. And if you're, if you're coming to him in Jesus, you're his friend. And that's a beautiful truth, that God will help you in the middle of the night. And even if you weren't his friend, he would still do it. He would still do it because he doesn't like to shame his name. See what Jesus says next in verse 11. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son. <clears throat> verse 11 of chapter 11. Verse 11. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Come on. Or if he's asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? Listen, Dad. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, Jesus is helping us find the why behind prayer. There's so much power in understanding that God won't break his word. He won't ever give up. Jesus is showing us that God is our heavenly Father, our faithful friend, who always keeps his word. Jesus has shown us that, uh, that God always hears us. As we come to an end, I want, I want to help us understand what we ought to ask for. 
Jesus, Jesus says God always hears us and always gives us what we need. He always gives, right, the end of verse 13. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus not only tells us about God, that he's our Father, about his nature and his heart, that he never fails, that he won't fail us, that he will get up, but he also tells us what to ask for. Here's how you pray, and this is what you should ask for. You should ask for the Holy Spirit. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is showing us that God is our Father. Can you imagine going to your Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ the Son and asking him for the Holy Spirit and him denying you? No. course not. God will always give you the spirit. He will always give you more of himself. He won't turn you away. That's why you want to pray. I want to remind you of a couple verses. We read of Romans 8 earlier. I think that was beautiful. It says Romans 8 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we can cry, Abba, Father. Galatians 6 and 4, 6 and 7, because you're sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. When we pray, we do so in Jesus' name to our Father in heaven, because he loves when we pray. This is the kind of prayer life that we want to cultivate, to spend time with our Heavenly Father. And so I want to encourage you today as you pray. And maybe you're saying, Lord, I, I want to come to you and ask you uh, for something other than your Holy Spirit. Maybe think of it this way. As you come to God today, check your heart. What do I want most? Lord, what will you teach me? Maybe you, need, maybe you need money. Maybe you need bread. <laughs> Honestly. Maybe you need clothes. Maybe you need time. Maybe you need healing. What is it that God could give to you? He says the Holy Spirit's better than that. The Holy Spirit's better than that. It's power for life. It's power for freedom. Do you want that? Do you want the Holy Spirit in your life? I think that's something for us to think about. God always gives, always gives his Holy Spirit. We're going to move to a time of communion, so uh, service, you guys can get ready. Thank you so much. As we come to the table today, uh, we are realizing uh, again and again, reminding ourselves what Jesus died for. Jesus died to set us free from the power of Satan, sin, and death. And as we live in this life, God, it's God's wisdom to us that his greatest gift, the reason Jesus would die, was so that we could have his Holy Spirit. We could have an experience with God forever that he would never leave, never forsake us, even to the end of the age, always be with us. That I could have the Spirit's power in confession of sin. 
I can have the Spirit's power in him removing guilt from me and, and helping me see that I'm a son. I'm, I'm a daughter. He loves me. My, my father will always be there to help me. So as we come to the table, that's what we're doing. When we remind ourselves that we, as we take bread and we take juice, Jesus says, this is my body, which is given for you. As often as you eat this bread, you do this in remembrance of me, of what I've done. As often as you drink this cup, you proclaim the new covenant in my blood. What is that covenant? That by his Holy Spirit, we are sons and daughters of God. That he loves us. And what is a greater truth than that for us today? If you're, if you're new in this place and you're not sure if you're allowed to take communion, uh, you are. We practice what's called an open table. At Jesus' table, everyone is welcome. If you want to follow him, if you say, yeah, I believe that Jesus is my Savior. I believe that God is my Heavenly Father because of what he's done for me. You can boldly approach the throne of grace and find help in time of need. I would just say, take time. Take a couple minutes. It's, it's okay. Ask the Lord genuinely. We do have needs, right? We do have physical needs. We have spiritual needs, but we also have physical. Lord, I have these needs. I trust you to give me your spirit. What is it that God is, is leading you and asking you uh, to come before him today? What is he asking you to pray to him? Think of him as a father. Think of him as a father that will never break his word, that will always keep his word to you. So we're going to approach and we'll receive the elements from the ushers and we'll sing a couple songs. Lord, thank you so much for uh, this time in your word. God, it's true. You are uh, shameless in your love. You have no shame. You are full of honor and glory and you never let us down. And so, Lord, we come today with whatever need we have. Lord, maybe it's a desire to forgive, uh, but we don't have the strength. Holy Spirit, would you give us the strength to forgive? Father, maybe it's a need physically. Lord, would you provide for our needs? Most of all, God, we ask for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you fill us again? Give us new life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.